Turn your Bibles this morning to John chapter 2. And I'm going to let you be seated because I'm seated. That'd be real strange if you stand and I'm seated. John 2. And then put your finger there and turn to 1 Thessalonians 5. How many of you brought your Bibles? It can be on your phone. I'm okay with that. I used to didn't like it, but I'm okay with that. How many of you brought something to write with? Why do we bring something to write with? You don't need to write my sermon down. It is a signal to the Lord I'm expecting to hear from you. And if God communicates with you, it's important enough to write it down. And those of you that are acting like you're writing it down but playing on your phone, let's see, what kind of curse can I pronounce on Sir, if you're playing on your phone, I pray that every hair that falls off your head accumulates on your wife's lip right here. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. teasing. Sorry. That's bad. That means put that phone down. Power that thing off. All right. Are you ready for the word of the Lord this morning? John chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day... Many believed in his name. Say many. When they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus didn't commit himself to them. Because he knew all men. And he needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in them. So here's all these people that believed. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Because he knew them. And he knew what was in them. That is discernment. We are so afraid of being judgmental that we are no longer discerning. And you can, where the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged, you can judge without being judgmental. We're to judge all things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Prove all things, which means test everything, examine everything, hold fast to that which is good and abstain from all appearance of evil. And the reading and the blessing of God is always on the reading of His Word. One of the greatest needs in your life, I used to say in these last days, we're not in the last days, we're in the last hours, is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and that you operate in divine discernment where you are willing and you actively judge everything, test everything. Test everything I say. Anyone or anything that's offended at you examining them, there's something wrong. If a business does not want you to examine their financials, something's wrong. Truth does not mind you turning it upside down, spinning it around, putting light on it. Judge all things. And I'm going to do some reading and then I want to do some explaining and giving you examples. So, discernment. Prove everything. So what is discernment? It's the natural or supernatural ability to know what is hidden so that a believer can know what to do with what is visible. It's to see through a thing, to see with God's eyes, to see things as God sees them. It's the ability to make discriminating judgments, to distinguish between the moral implications of different situations, courses of actions, people, persons, attitudes, businesses, ministries, to be able to assess accurately what is hidden. It's the ability to assess the moral and spiritual reality of individuals, groups, movements, or teachings. These people believed in Jesus. They saw the miracles. We believe in Jesus that I can see right through that. Today they'd say, Jesus, don't judge them. I'm not judging them. I'm not passing sentence. I know them. There was a divine enablement to see things as they really were. It means having a sense of how things look to God. That's what discernment is. Discernment is that which enables you to go right to the heart of a matter. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, you know the commandments? Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, all of these. He goes, I've done these from my youth. All of these. And Jesus looked at him saw right through everything and said, 
Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and then you'll have eternal life. Now, how many of you know that that is not a prerequisite to be saved? What Jesus was saying is, this is what's going to keep you from the kingdom of God. It's not the good things that you're doing. It's what you're withholding. And the rich young ruler left very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus saw through the question. He saw through the sincerity. He saw through the appeal and said, you love money and money is your God and you cannot have two gods. And the evidence of it is when he went right to the heart of the matter, the man walked away very sad because he was unwilling to dethrone money in his life. Let me tell you very quickly what discernment is not. And by the way, this is enough for a series of three or four. So I want to cover it so those of you that watch it online or get a CD or DVD, you can go back and do your own studies. Discernment is not naturally assessing something and then acting mystical. So a lady pulls up in the parking lot. She's got seven kids packed into a maverick. Y'all remember what a maverick is? Okay. She's missing two hubcaps. And this lady goes... Uh, perceive a spirit of poverty. She's an idiot. Anyone can see that the woman might not have means. Discernment is not stating the obvious, okay? Discernment is not limited to the supernatural gift of the discerning of spirits, but it is a supernatural ability to see things like God sees them. And by the way, there's no way to prove discernment. You are very vulnerable when you discern. Discernment is not a license to label people that you do not like or you're not familiar with and categorize them because you know the things of God, so they're not. That's not the purpose of discernment. Discernment is not the same thing as maturity. It does not equate to maturity. Discernment ceases to work in the proud, the unteachable, and the duplicitous. Discernment may be accurate without being complete. It is not infallible and it is not a substitute for fruit, nor is it necessarily permanent. Discernment is contingent upon the nearness of God in the life of the believer. So I can hear God's thoughts, think God's thoughts, feel God's feelings, so I can know what God knows. Discernment is not something that can be transferred, bought, or taught. Be careful of these charlatans and these ravenous wolves dressed as sheep that tell you get in line and let me put my hands on you and give you discernment I can't give you discernment I can't give you character I can't give you a work ethic I can't give you in kindness this there there is a part in the Bible that speaks of impartation but be very careful when you think impartation it you can make that a very wide brush and just cover everything. There is something to be said of a minister or someone full of the Spirit laying their hands on you because you can impart a spiritual gift. But discernment's not one of those. I can't share with you my recognition of the voice of God. I can't share with you my understanding that comes from His nearness any more than you can share that with me. What is the function of discernment? We need discernment to trace the origin of something. To know if what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're reading, what we're listening to, what's being sung, is that originating from the flesh? Is it originating from the devil? Their spirit? Or the Holy Spirit? I remember in church, uh, I've learned most of the things I've learned about God in the church. Young in the Lord, and maybe you can nod or you go, I, I know. You just would be exposed to something and everybody be amen and you go, that wasn't God. You remember? I heard, this guy got up on stage and my pastor introduced him and everybody just clapped and he introduced himself and he goes, how many of you have heard of me? And nobody raised their hand, a couple people, and he goes, where have you been? And I had the thought, I would love to have a sign and hold it up and on his end where he could read it, it says, you are great. And on the end, see, I'm on the second row. And so everybody behind me could read, he's in the flesh. <laughs> Early on as a believer, I knew the difference between immaturity and evil. 
So when someone is unkind to me in the body of Christ, discernment keeps you from falling out with everybody. Because if it's immaturity, you just give grace. It's evil, you call them out on it. Several times, three as a matter of fact, in the history of this church, I've had to ask people to leave. I did it privately, never embarrassed them. And I told one, I said, uh, and you're never welcome back in this church again. And I said, and I know I will stand before God for this decision. And I'm going to answer for it. And I like my odds. Because a shepherd not only feeds the sheep, he protects the sheep. So we have to have the ability to understand, is that something that's coming from their weakness? Is that coming, coming from the Holy Spirit? Or an evil spirit. I remember early in my faith visiting churches and walk in the door and my spirit man says, ah! and then you're hung up because everybody else is going, glory, glory, uh, 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 and they're feeling something. So I don't immediately stand up and prophesy against everybody because my discernment may be fallible. But what do you do? You get up and walk out because your spirit knows. If you're walking close with the Lord, you may not know why the buzzer goes off. But you know you say, this is flesh. I've been at, like, that guy got up. He was in the flesh. I've been in services where it was demonic anointing. Supernatural things happening, signs, wonders. But it wasn't Jesus. They tell you it was Jesus. Well, it was a different Jesus. Because I know what my Jesus feels like. I know how my Jesus leaves the focus in, on him and in a pure way. It doesn't, it doesn't focus on the supernatural element. The supernatural is a byproduct of his glory. You follow me? Discernment may be, let's see, where, where am I? May, may be accurate without being complete. It is not infallible. It's not a substitute for fruit. It's not necessarily permanent. And you can't teach it or buy it from anyone. Okay. It helps us, the function of discernment helps us trace the origin of something. It helps us identify the power behind something. It helps us to recognize the fruit of something. It gives you supernatural sight, x-ray vision into things. And you need it in this last day. The devil is not going to, in this last hour, keep the message of God from you. He's going to dilute it and pervert it and infect it. And many that name his name don't know him. And they're straying in this last hour. And you need discernment not to judge them, to protect yourself. One of the artists that I grew up on, and I'm very hesitant to name names because there are people that glory in, it's almost like they're better than someone when they call him out because this person I'm about to mention could call me out for past sins. So I'm not beating the person. But Kirk Franklin, I love his music. Listen to his music. Is collaborating on this album with this man. Blasphemous. Not, we're not talking about uh, interpretations of the Bible. One of the cover pictures is he himself wearing a crown of thorns. And he claims himself not to be Jesus, but Jesus. And Kirk Franklin and he has said, this is a gospel album with a whole lot of cursing. It's blasphemous. And so when I see that, I can naturally assess it, but the spirit behind it, the spirit to present Jesus in a form that will say, it doesn't matter how you live or who you are, we're all God's children. That, my spirit knows that that is not right. And for me, what I do, regretfully, it's not what I want to do, is I no longer listen to him because, not listen, the music ministered to me, some of my songs that God used to touch my soul in the worst days of my life came from him. But now a new believer could listen to this new stuff and say, well, Pastor John's for him. And be deceived. See, there's a, there's a responsibility that goes with discernment. Once I know something, I know that what I endorse, people weaker than I or newer than I will take the whole enchilada and not be able to discern between the, the pure and impure. 
And I'm not judging his heart. I'm saying that if that is how he sees and views reality, Christian reality, I don't want any part of that. I'm not his judge. He's my brother. I believe he has been born again, but something has happened to where the light became darkness and he no longer knows the difference. There will be many in that day that say, have not we done these great works in your name? He said, I don't even know who you are. And I can only go by my discernment. There's a song several years ago that came out by Jericho Road. And I asked him to play this to give you just... Now, that was an extreme example of blasphemy. But let me show you a subtle uh, example of how the devil is operating in Christian circles. Beautiful song, but listen. It'll be on your screen. song. How many remember the hymn? Okay. Just so you know, the correct wording of that hymn was, and I quote, and I hope, Lord, by thy good pleasure to safely arrive at home. They've changed the words to, and I hope by some good measure to safely arrive at home. They changed the lyrics of this song because of their Mormon faith which is based upon works, which is not like Christianity. It's the exact opposite of Christianity. And the spirit of this age says, well, see, there you are. You're just trying to divide the body of Christ. No, if you add anything to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the lamb is now blemished. And I'm not hoping by some good measure, some good effort, some good missionary crusade on my 10 speed by some bishop or priest laying his hand upon me or declaring me innocent. I'm not hoping by some good measure. And these subtle things, you say, oh, John, what does it really matter? It's just like drinking, what does a little antifreeze matter? Put some antifreeze in your tea, just a little. Now, it doesn't mean you go on this crusade and you're looking for everything wrong with something. That's not discernment. Discernment is, I see the thread of the devil's working because... Take a piece of dental floss. That really is not a profound, blasphemous thing, but take that. One piece of dental floss. And then you read from another Christian author that says, you know, we need to add to our faith. We need to do these things for salvation. And you add this to a song and some speaker adds this. And before long, you have a rope twisted together that will tie you down and keep you from the simplicity that's found in Jesus Christ. You sing that. I ain't listening to you. I'm not judging. There's only judgment's been given unto one. That's the son. I'm not judging you. I just don't want to listen to anything you sing because what flows from your heart is different than what I've been taught through the scripture. And we have no part of it. And I'll tell you, you just say, well, I ain't worried about it. I'm just going to eat. Do you know when you go out to eat, they put those health reports on the door? I don't care what it says. 62. I don't care. I don't care. I like it. Who are you to judge? 62. I don't even know how, I don't even want to know how you got your 62. 
All I know is you're going to need a lot of tissue. That's all I know to tell you. You know, I interject some of that. It's a very heavy sermon, so, you know. Now, how about this? What if this happened in church? Okay? The function of discernment is to sense the spirit behind something. Now, I just want you to focus. If you've ever focused on something, this is revelational. Acts chapter 16. Listen to this. And it came to pass, Paul said, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, and she had brought her masters much financial profit by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out. Wait a minute, hold on. So here's this woman. They're going from place to place preaching, and she said, Listen to these guys. They are showing you the way of salvation, in essence. Their words are pure. Their words are from God. They're telling you correctly. What about that was wrong? What she said was right. But Paul discerned what the carnal Christian would not discern and what the demon hoped he wouldn't discern. If I take your affirmation, then when I'm gone, people will yoke me and you in their mind and they'll receive further things that come from your mouth. So if poison comes before, I'm not yoking together. Paul saw past everything they said was true. But they didn't say everything. And if, I, if someone in our church was, praise the Lord for Pastor John. I just want to thank Christ Chapel. It's been the difference for my wife and I. And I said, come out of her. Spirit of uncleanness. Oh, Facebook would light up. She didn't say nothing. And John just, <laughs> it would just light up. So we have a culture now that frowns on discernment. And is at home with ignorance. I have shook people's hand in this church and knew they were demon-possessed. Lord, is it me he's talking about? <laughs> Ask your spouse, they'll tell you. <laughs> we can sense the spirit of something. I've walked into church when I was uh, younger in the Lord. I went to this church in Atlanta, 10,000 plus people, and I just wanted to go see what it was about. I walked in the door and told my friend, I'm leaving. He said, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. But God is not in here, and he don't like this place. I was brand new. Now, what do you think the average Christian would say about me in that moment? Ain't been saved 90 days, thinks he's Jesus. I ain't said, I said, as far as I'm concerned, I don't sense here what I sense in my car and in my prayer closet and when I study the word and when I worship. If this is Jesus, it's not the one I know. And God gives you that discernment. Don't you ever be ashamed of it. Or I walked out. Years later, we find out that this man has practiced incest most of his life. A charlatan, uh, an adulterer, uh, rumors of homosexuality, and uh, embezzlement, everything. And now those children born from relationships within his own family pastor the church, and now it's like a universalist church. And all I'm saying to you is an ignorant little boy that had been saved less than six months knew. He just knew. That don't make me anything except a normal Christian. And you, you, need, you need to ask the Lord for discernment so you can discern clearly. You may not know the why. I didn't know the why. I did catch one. I was trying to talk my friends out of going, and he immediately started on the rapture of the church. And because we got there late, uh, you know, when you travel with people that are late, anyway, it's, it's a whole nother story. So we got there and he says, the, the, the Bible, when it speaks of being caught away, what the Christians call rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, there is no rapture. The being caught away means how you're caught away in your emotions. And when the Lord comes, you're just, it's like you're swept away. I was like, check, please. <laughs> that was it. That was the final thing for me. So there'll be signs doctrinally. There will be signs in the fruit, there, but, but the initial, the initial is your knower. And here's what I want to tell you about discernment. 
you don't have to have reasons to know. And be careful that you just don't make something up. He said, look, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not trying to judge anyone. I just, I, I don't want to be a part of this. You will never be deceived if you go by the discernment that's in your heart based on the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Those two things. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And the Word of God trumps what you think is the Spirit of God. The Word of God is the more sure word of prophecy. And if we have discernment, we have the confidence to judge something. Matthew 7, Brother John, verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. That is the mantra of carnal Christianity. And it's in the Bible. Judge not that you be not judged. But listen to verse 6. Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. How do you know who are pigs and dogs unless you discern? That's judging. The world takes the word judge, and the carnal church take the world, takes the word judge, and it means don't ever discern. Just don't, don't t- let everything go and let God sort it out. But the Bible tells us to judge all things. So how do I know who to cast pearls before? Uh, no, I'm not. What it means to a minister and to an evangelist, don't waste your time in that area when you understand that they're going to rend you. You don't just waste seed. I'm not going to preach to infertile soil. You see? So how do I know what fertile soil is? I discern. Okay. I'm going to skip one of these so I can get... So I'll send you notes online if you need it. Okay. How do I cultivate spiritual discernment? You place God's word as the absolute standard over everything. Everything. Now, I'm about to make some of you mad with me. And I, I'm, not, I'm not being funny. I know I will. And... I would rather you know I love you than you think I like you. And just, I don't want to offend you, so I'm about to touch on some things here. Philippians 4 says to you, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, lovely, of a good report, you think on those things. You listen to those things. You watch those things. Watch them. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you see. You walk in the fullness of the Spirit and you don't grieve God. It's how you cultivate discernment. Separation and consecration are the gateway to heightened sensitivity. Separation from the world. Love not the world, the things that are in the world. You can't love the world and love God. Separate and consecrate. And what we try to do is consecrate without separating. We love the Lord, but we love the world at the same time, and we're deceived. How can you watch shows about adultery? The theme is adultery. Homosexuality. Cannibalism. Sensuality. Greed. Revenge. Horror. Necromancy. Sorcery. Demonism. How can you make a pattern of watching it? Unless the Spirit of God no longer speaks to you. Unless the Spirit of God no longer speaks to you. We can't. Now may I speak to the other side? Well, then we just about don't get to watch anything. Yes. I can't tell you how many times... A show will come out and I'll really start, oh man, I like that. Get involved with the characters and then have two episodes because usually we give it one and then we get the second one and go, I can't watch it no more. Can't watch it no more. Well, well, I like it. I know your flesh does. And he that liveth after the flesh dies. But if you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of your flesh, you'll live, which means you tell your flesh, I know what you like, but you're not going to get it. You know how genuine revival happens in your home when the man and the woman gently but firmly adopts the mantra, not in this house, not in this house.
Separation and consecration are the gateway to heightened sensitivity. Several months ago, I saw an ad on television about a series coming out called Lucifer. I didn't even look it up. And this was the thought, my first thought, my first thought, I hope no one in my church posts on Facebook about how they like this show. It's my first thought. Because it's like some of us don't even have a clue. We're singing How Great Thou Art on Sunday and watching the vilest things available. Now, well, Pastor, have you ever watched it? Have you ever watched Vile? Yes. I have looked at perverted things on the internet. I have watched shows and I repented of them and turned away. The difference between someone I'm describing here and me in this instance is I know the difference between right and wrong. And that doesn't make me a better person. It makes me discerning. I am equally as sinful as you, but I may not be as blind. And I'm, please don't think I'm judging you. I'm your pastor. I'm giving my life for you. I love you. But if you're not grieved when you hear yourself sing about or you watch someone sleeping with someone else's wife and it doesn't grieve you, your spirit, man, has been seared like with a hot iron. God's not talking anymore. I pray for myself because I too am carnal and I still feel the pull of music I used to listen to in the 80s. And uh, if we're honest, you can throw who you like to listen to or still listen to in the mix. If you read the lyrics while you sung the song, you could say of thyself, this is mental illness set to music. <laughs> Thank you. How do I cultivate spiritual discernment? You surround yourself with those who carry it and esteem it. How do you cultivate spiritual discernment? You act upon what you discern immediately, wholeheartedly, unashamedly, and vocally. Listen to this, Hebrews 5.14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use, reason of use, have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. Now, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender and make everybody mad today. So that'll be all right. When I was a youth pastor in 1987, I'd been a Christian one year, and the youth pastor resigned, and I put in my application, and anybody in their right mind wouldn't hire a boy that's been saved one year, but I wanted to get in ministry, and so I submitted my application, and all nine of the board members voted no. And my pastor hired me anyway. Said the Lord told me to hire him. And they're like, why? Can any good thing come out of Macon? You know, why? And he said, it's not about what he can do for us. It's what we're going to do for him. It's going to be his entry into ministry. Okay. So I'm coming right into the church. And, you know, we had a small youth group. And you're part of the Assemblies of God and district youth camps and all of this stuff. And at that time, Christian rock was the big thing. And what it was in the 80s, and you can get mad or disagree. I'm telling you, my experience, I lived it. I went from being a DJ, not a digital DJ, an LP DJ. I went from being a DJ to a minister. And the idea was, let's be exactly like the world and change the lyric to win them, to, to identify with the kids. You have to identify with the kids. And I understand the meaning behind that. But I remember... The first time I heard it, I remember my eyes widening and I remember in my heart saying, I recognize that devil. Same girl, different dress. And what they were doing, many of my friends who were youth pastors, unknowingly, maybe, or unwilling, or, or not knowing they were doing it, they were letting their kids get as close to what they were going to escape from as they could so as to keep popularity. 
I caught more hell for my stance. Church people, because they had their band. And see, what I'm about to share with you is going to be revelational. I'll show you there's a spirit behind this uh, worldliness in the church. I'll prove it to you. If I called your television show or I called your group that you listen to and I said, that's evil, you would be more offended at me than the person who takes God's name in vain beside you. Because we, that's, I've chose them and I, I like them in that flesh carnal nature when in meekness we ought to say, Lord, if this grieves you, I don't want it. I don't answer to John. You don't answer to me. You don't answer to me. But Lord, if, if that's part of me. And I had youth pastors stand up to me and said, do you understand when you're saying that this isn't of God, you're saying everything we're doing here is not of God? I said, well, if, if that's what you think I'm saying. And one of them said, so you're telling me you just group it all together. I said, most of it, yes. And then, then I said, if that is Christian, I'm Chinese. Now, I'm not saying that to boast. If I'm wrong, God will judge me based on the motive of my heart and the words that I spoke. But if I'm right and I didn't have the courage to say it, every little boy that turns into a man and says, you kept me close to the world, you gave me no distance, and when I was in my 20s, I just took one step back and the world was right there. For me, that was discernment. And I don't, I've never heard you say that. It's because I don't preach my discernment. I preach the words of God. But I'm giving you examples to follow the teaching. You have to act on it. Whatever you discern, whatever you feel, you have to act instantly, courageously, visibly, vocally, and let the chips fall where they may. This isn't a popularity contest. We're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm ashamed of the things that I've watched since I was a believer and listened to. But at at least we can repent of them and categorize them and say, I know the difference. Because if you don't know the difference, you're susceptible to anything and everything. Well, that pastor, I really like him. If he's preaching error, he's no longer my pastor. Gone. I know it's not popular, but I owe you these kinds of teachings. How do I know if I've lost or I'm losing my spiritual discernment? If you allow things that you never would have allowed during your first love with the Lord, you've lost it or are losing it. If you rationalize, excuse, and even defend the things that you allow. If you inwardly dislike, find fault, envy, or despise those who live consecrated lives. If you no longer feel the strong emotions in worship, prayer, and the preached word as you once did. If spiritual hunger for the things of God is all but gone from your life. If you have strongholds and bondages that you cannot break free from or do not want to break free from. My Christian life over the last 30 years has been filled with small compromises, small backslidings, and returning to the Lord. Small compromises, backslidings, returning to the Lord. Anybody else? Small compromises, backslidings, and returning to the Lord. And the devil is operating in some of our lives, focusing on, aren't you just tired of repenting over the same stuff? Yeah, but I always have to repent. I always have to. Because the day we stop repenting, all discernment goes away. I am not preaching to you anything more than I have preached and applied to myself. I am not above you. As a matter of fact, I can prove that I'm behind you. When God looks for pastors and preachers, he said, I look for the foolish things in this world to confound the wise. So I'm looking for a fool. Hey, there's John. Come here. Come here. Get up here and preach. It is my firm belief that one of the greatest polarizing things that will happen, happen in the body of Christ in these last hours 
is the natural separation that takes place between those who have discernment and those who do not. It is my opinion, in the last hours before the return of Jesus Christ, the natural polarization and separation will happen in the body of Christ and there will be two groups, those who have discernment and those who do not. And those that have it, those who have it will think humbly about themselves and others and those who do not have it will despise and hate the ones that do. That's my opinion. I see it happening already, all around. And finally, the perils of those who have no real discernment. Unheeded discernment is the precursor, the precursor to unnecessary to calamity, loss, and tragedy in the life of the believer. Unheeded discernment is the precursor to unnecessary calamity, loss, and tragedy in the life of the believer. Most of the things, or many of the things that we have suffered as believers are a result of not heeding discernment we had. I'll tell you a funny one. I'm a hugger. I hug little kids. I hug big kids. I hug sweet people. I hug mean people, ugly people, pretty people. I hug everybody. And this is years ago. They don't go to our church. This lady, she hugged me, but she had a little extra in her hug. Just a little. And I don't mean a physical. It was that. So she hugged me, and I was like, that didn't feel right. Now, I didn't go on, you know, platform the next week and said, we have a lady here today. Stand, Sister Jezebel. I want to call you out. <laughs> we don't go, you know, they're not a believer. They don't love the Lord. I discern. No, that's not what this was. I just knew that my knower said, watch, watch out. So I'm hugging everybody, hugging everybody. She comes down very modestly, dressed modestly, speaks modest. Hey, pastor. And I said, Hi. She goes, what's that? I said, permanent. That's all I said. That's all I said. Well, you risked hurting her feelings. I saved myself from something the Holy Spirit knew might be down the road that I might not have been man enough to turn away. So by listening to discernment, you're bigger than you really are. You're stronger than you really are because you don't have to face a giant that has now been eliminated from the equation because you acted upon the first impression. Now, I didn't see her coming down the aisle and go, adulterer, adulterer. You can't do that to people, but in my own heart. And I said it laughing like this, permanent. Just, hey, how you doing? Some would say, well, you're judging them. No, I'm judging me. I may not be strong enough to withstand that's like when your friends, hey, just go with us. You don't have to do what we're doing. Just go with us. Mm-mm. Oh, now you're holy. You're judging us. Oh, I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. People tell me all the time. So do you go to hell over a glass of wine? That's one of the most common questions. Do you go to hell over a glass of wine? You go to hell over Budweiser? One Budweiser, you go to hell? I said, let's just talk about the one. There's some of us, we don't do one. Just because you can do one. I'm one of those people, and I'll preach about the alcohol on a different day. Let me just tell you about knowing thyself. Know thyself. <laughs> one means 31. And so by never starting, I never go into excess. Now, do I say that to everybody else? No, but I'll tell you what will never happen in my life. I'll never have a child grow up to be an alcoholic and say, I learned it from my daddy. I just, it's just... Just get mad at me if you want to. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, brother. Wait a minute, brother. I just, I've, I've never been drunk in my life in front of my kids. It's just one. I understand that. But your one might be their 11. It's just, just discernment. Just, some things are lawful, but not everything's expedient. Not everything's expedient. Lord, we're going to have 12 people here next week. The perils of those with no discernment, they can be deceived because they have no defense. They will be deceived. If you do not practice discernment, you will be deceived because you have no other guard against deception but discernment. Their deception will come with a high price tag. Their deception will spread to others. Deception breeds deception. 
and it leads to blindness and bondage. One of the perils is you'll gravitate to and surround yourself with others with the same blindness. Good athletes gravitate to good teams. They want a chance to win it all. Uh, Good mechanics don't like to work beside shade tree mechanics. They don't have their own tools and fellas can have amen. You just, just, good electricians (laughs) don't want to work beside someone that goes, what's this red one mean? They don't, you, ladies, good cooks don't like to be beside somebody that don't know paprika from something else. And you just go, if, if you just leave the kitchen, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Just leave. Now we're laughing and I'm going to ask you, so you don't think spiritual people draw like spiritual people. If you live carnal, you will surround yourself with other carnal believers, giving you a feeling of I'm okay because we're okay and none of you are okay. Because discernment will show you your own heart and other people. It'll show you what's right or wrong. To protect, it's God's gift. That's the thing I want you to see. It's not to judge other people. It's the gift that, lets me, that keeps me safe, that knows I can trust his voice. And what's not of faith is sin. Okay, so say you can do it, and you're okay with it. And that's between you and the Lord. I'm fine. But if I do it, it's sin to me. So you have to know the scripture for yourself and God's spirit. And if you can't do something in faith, it's sin to you. I was explaining to you my convictions about things. If they're not your convictions, you got to hear this part. That's between you and the Lord. You'll stand before him for those things. But these are mine. And they're based on discernment. And God may allow something in your life that he won't allow in my life. But the important thing is not that we're all doing the same thing. The important thing is that we all have discernment and we respect it. And we surround ourselves with people of like precious faith, not like carnal faith. And finally, many people without discernment come under the judgment of God. Ephesians 5 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But all sexual immorality and all impurity of covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous An idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Lisa, would you come for me this morning? Let no one deceive you. Please hear me. We're almost done, but let this go into your soul. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. No minister, no friend, no parent, no child, no prophet, no apostle. Let no one deceive you with empty words. But because of those things, the immorality, the sexual immorality, and the sins of the flesh, for those things... The wrath of God falls upon the children of disobedience. Therefore, do not partake with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you're light in the word, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try your best to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For those that don't take part, we stop short and we're silent. Because if I don't take part, I honor the Lord. But if I'm silent, I dishonor you. It said expose it. And some of you will never understand what today is about. So I'm going to tell you. It's my gift to you. I will let some of you not like me and I want to be liked so that I can save some others. That's what it is. I'm not only not going to do those things, I'm going to expose them as wrong and harmful to you. And that's where persecution comes in. We're taught today in this last day to 
be like the world so the world can know Jesus and don't ever say anything that offends. Why would Jesus say this? The world's going to hate you because it hated me. What's there to hate about somebody that just loves you, likes you, mows your grass, gives you water bottles, um, has you in their home? Oh, there's no offense till you stand up for truth. And we have silenced the truth so as to keep us from persecution. Our reward is that we are liked and they are lost. Our reward is that we are liked and the cost is their lostness. I remember in the second year when I was a youth pastor, the Lord laid on my heart to do a special service. I remember who was there. Heather Kaiser, Danae Broadhead, and her two brothers, Wendy Luttrell, Monica, Barboza, Kevin. A group of about 15 kids. And the Lord laid on my heart to do a special service. Y'all know your pastor's not a backdrop guy and you know all the different things that's popular now. Just, just pray for me. I'm just a simple guy. I don't design elaborate stages. We just got a drape. I talk to you. So I'm not real creative. I just preach. So that's all I did. My youth group never grew real, real big, but I discipled the ones I had, Jack. We were discipled. They could all preach. Like our outings, we'd go to YDC and take turns preaching. Wasn't a big crowd, but we discipled them. So I did the candles. I, they come in and I said, shh, be quiet. And I had separated seating and ambiance and music. And I stood with one little light on me and I opened the Bible and I taught this lesson about redemption and propitiation of sins and how we gain access and how we're all uh, of the same mind and of the same body. Tears were flowing down my face and I said, how many of you feel the Lord talking to you? And One by one, they raised their hands and they came to the altar. I, I remember it like yesterday. All but maybe one or two came to the altar crying because the ambience was right. The music was right. It was Pastor John. And right in the middle of the altar call, I flipped the lights on and I said, get up! And it scared them to death. They raised up and I said, go to your seats. You've been deceived. And they said, what? I opened and turned the Bible around. It was a Mormon Bible. And I preached a doctrine of salvation by works. And I said, you just bought into the damnation of your soul. And Danae Broadhead said, but I, I, I trusted you. I said, you don't trust anyone but the word of God and the spirit of God that beats in your chest. Honor those that serve among you. But as soon as they come out of the confines of God's word, I have nothing to do with and they wrote me back as adults in their 20s and 30s. They said, I've never forgot that lesson. So my prayer for you and for me is that we would go home and say, God, give me discernment. Not to straighten everybody out. Straighten me out. I want to know first. I want to know when so I can drop it. I, I, want, to, I want to be attentive to you. See, I have to speak publicly. But it's for the edifying the believer. It means nothing. Now, you're on your own. I ain't going to follow you around. I'm not going to monitor you. I've done my part. We need discernment. So when the Bible starts to fulfill itself, I believe the next thing on the, on the calendar is the rapture of the church. I believe it. I believe it. A lady told me not too long ago, she goes, the Lord showed me I'm going to be here for the tribulation. I said, I believe you. What? I said, you said the Lord told you. He told you you're staying. I believe. I believe we're gone. And then the man of sin will be revealed. I believe there'll be three and a half years of tribulation, then three and a half years of great tribulation and all of the above. But if I'm wrong, there is going to be strong delusion, the Bible said, sent by God himself. And I will send strong delusion because they love not the truth, because they don't want the truth. I, God, am going to... You think the devil can trick you? 
Wait till God Almighty says, I'm going to expose you by sending you a lie and you're going to buy into it and it's going to come to full fruition and you're going to realize you don't even know who I am. God's going to send it. I want discernment. So when that man opens his mouth and the thousands are listening to him, I go, "Mm mm-mm, let's go. And your wife says, what is it? I I don't know, but let's go, let's go. And what if I'm wrong? We wasted a trip. What if I'm right? I've saved my family. You want discernment. You want God's discernment. I close with this. I am not your final voice. I am not your authority. I am not the standard. Your book and God's spirit. And don't you grieve it. And if Pastor John does something he allows and you don't feel you can, you don't listen to Pastor John. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. God, give us discernment in this last day. Keep us. Would you stand with me if that's your prayer? Just tell the Lord, I want divine discernment, oh Lord. I want to know it for my babies. I want to know it for my grandbabies. I want to know it at work. I want to know, oh Lord. I do not desire to judge the heart of others. I desire to walk in a way pleasing of you. Show me your way. Show me your will. Show me your voice, O Lord. Show me your voice. Let me hear it. I want to know it, Lord. You told us your sheep would know your voice. And another one's voice they will not follow. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive me for my carnality and my rationalizing of sin and excuses, O God. Take not your Holy Spirit from us, O Lord. Create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us, O God. Renew a right spirit within us. I speak this over the man, whoever it is. May it be written over the doorpost of your house, not in my house. Not on my watch. Not in my house. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. May I tell you a very, very quick story? We got three minutes because I try to get you out by 12. Say, why? People say, why do you do that? Because somebody's been watching your kids for an hour and 45 minutes. And they're waiting on 12 o'clock. That's the true reason. Well, don't you think you quenched the Lord? No, I think I took care of his children that are watching your children. When I was a little boy, I didn't understand it then. But, oh, do I understand it now. My father, who was raised in an alcoholic home, in an abusive home, his daddy would get drunk and whip him with a dog chain. In my home, and got some white-haired people up here. You, you'll understand this. Y'all remember the tube TV? You pull that little lever. Oh, you can go make a sandwich. You can go warm up the grill, cook a steak, put a potato in. About four minutes to turn on. And when it warms up, you turn it off. It's like you started over. Any commercial or anything His big ones were alcohol, cigarettes, or anything. And back then, we had Andy Griffith. It wasn't like there was a lot of stuff on TV. But anything that was contrary to our faith, there was, you know who the remote was? I was the remote. Go turn it off. You're watching Lassie. Lassie's about pure as it gets. And a cigarette commercial, the Marlboro Man, come on. They said, turn it off. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, we're going to miss Lassie. You turn it off. You wait four more minutes for it to turn back on. And then you've lost the signal, so you got to grab the antenna and then grab your brother's hand and y'all are trying to tune the TV in. And now I'm his age plus 15 years. He was saying, not in my baby's life. I can't keep the world from them, but I can keep the world out of this house. Out of this house. And so they had a standard. They knew. So when they're old, they won't depart from it. May God's Spirit fill you. May God's Word support you. And may God's discernment protect you. Be not worried. Don't be afraid. 
because no one who walks closely with the Lord can be deceived. No one. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his glory. To him be praise and honor and glory in the church world without end. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.